The Starving Artist is brought to you by NC Fit. NC Fit is more than fitness. We are a lifestyle defined by effort. With fitness at our core, we've earned the confidence to enter the race, climb the mountain, and chase our wildest goals. Effort is our ethos. It's not about finishing first. It's about showing up. With on-demand classes, four daily programs, mobility tracks, and more, the NC Fit app sets you up for success no matter the goal. Visit nc.fit. Use code KC15 at checkout for 15% off their store and download the NC Fit app now in the App Store. The Starving Artist is also brought to you by Liquid IV. Liquid IV's mission is to help people everywhere live better lives, optimize the body, hydrate those in need, and better the planet. From the electrolyte multiplier to the triple hydration single-use packets, Liquid IV has become a staple in the hydration game and is an incredible product for anyone looking to expand their overall health health and fitness visit liquid-iv.com use promo code casey ryan music at checkout for 20 percent off again that's liquid-iv.com promo code casey ryan music at checkout for 20 percent off your order brandon polinick what's up man not much man how are you I feel, like I feel like i have i feel like i've been connected to you since the last time i saw you but i haven't actually seen you and talk to you like this in forever. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, man, I, I think it's probably been since high school, or, you know, or longer. Yeah, I've obviously followed your journey, and uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I mean, obviously, in the world that 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 you're in, you're a very well known figure. Um, uh, a lot of people don't know this about you and I, though. I mean, we've actually known each other since we were like, well, like five, something like that. Yeah, yeah. way back. Yeah, pretty way, crazy. Way back. Um. For uh, first of all, man, like I know how busy you are. Just want to say thank you for doing this. I mean, this has been a long time coming. I've been trying to get you on it for a long time, um, and uh, I know how uh, valuable your, that your time is. So, just wanted to say thank you again for doing this, and uh, hopefully, the conversation can can be beneficial to people who are pursuing a, a crazy dream of some kind, or if they're just trying to get through their normal life too. So, thank you, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just real yeah, quick, course, um, man, I'm, I'm yeah. glad we finally made it happen. Yeah. So I uh, just real quick though, I just, why don't you just tell people, you know, who you are, what you do, and, and then, uh, we can get going on some questions. So. So I am, uh, Brandon Polinick for those that have not met me or don't follow along. Uh, I travel around the country fishing bass tournaments. So I fish on the Bassmaster Elite Series and there's a lot that comes with that. That's not uh, just sitting on a dock, fishing on a lake. Yeah. Um, you know, there's lots of sides of that. North Idaho native, uh, born and raised here in you know northern Idaho, Coeur d'Alene area, and mm -hmm. still live here to this day, even though I only spend maybe three to four months of the year yep. <laughs> here. Uh, and the rest of the year, um, me and my wife, She's my wife now. We've been together almost 10 years, but got married this June and, uh, and we travel around the country in an RV, us, our dog, we film everything we do. Uh, and I mean, I get to essentially live out the dream that I had since I was eight years old. And, yeah. You know, and I, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes with that. Uh, but I mean, that's what I get to do. And it's amazing. And I always have to remind myself that it's amazing which, you know, it yeah. seems like you shouldn't have to do that, but keep oh, no. things in perspective yeah. and realize how amazing it is. That's incredible, man. I, um, the biggest reason that I wanted to talk to you too, because, uh, and, and we, like I said, there's several reasons, obviously just to catch up and it's good to see you just in general. But, um, 
I remember a moment specifically, and you probably don't remember this, but I remember it because for, because once I saw that, like who you had become and like over the last, you know, however many years that it's taken you to get to where you are, I, I was brought back to this moment because we were, it was me and you and my brother, my brother sure is going to watch this. So shout out to Michael Ryan. What's up? Um, uh, you, you and him were, you know, kind of like rival wrestlers growing up and, but we were, I mean, I, I, I would always consider all of us like friends still and everything. And, uh, you know, I, our families knew each other and stuff. And I remember we were at a wrestling tournament in Harrison and it was me and you and my brother, we were sitting on a wrestling mat and dude, we couldn't have been older than like seven or eight. It was, and I remember like we were all like sitting around like in a circle, like talking and I remember us talking about what we wanted to do when we grew up. And I remember specifically you saying you were going to be a pro bass fisherman. So I think it's just really cool that something that something that you thought about when you were a kid manifested to be something that became your reality as an adult. So I wanted to ask you about that. So what was it, I mean, about fishing? Like what, what is the thing about fishing that, that hooked you at such a young age? Ah, then I had, I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I loved it. And it was, it was the one thing at that moment in my life where I felt like I was fully complete. Like it was the thing that made me the most happy. Yeah. At eight years old, that can be a lot of things, right? Yeah, for sure. It doesn't have to be something profound. Uh, But now that I'm 33, I've had a lot of time to think about it, a lot of road miles driving alone to think about it. And uh, it's really, it's an addiction, but it's a healthy addiction. And that's the best way to explain it is that I'm addicted to the moment. My fingertips to my brain that I have a bite. And that's that, that single like split half second is, the driving force of not only where I wanted to go with my career, but really an entire industry. Mm. And it's that split second, however long it is that it takes when your fingertips register that you have a bite, when it goes from your hands to your brain and then tells you to react to that, Mm -hmm. that split second, such a small moment has directed my entire life. And, uh, it took me a long time to realize that. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. It's interesting how, like, I like how you put that about how just like that small stimulus and reaction can be like the addiction that it, I mean, just to relate to you. I mean, I feel like it's kind of, it's probably a similar feeling that, that I experience if I'm looking out and like seeing somebody singing a song back that I wrote, like, that's like the thing that keeps me going at it and like I remember like feeling that for the first time in like high school talent shows and it, it was it was a similar feeling and that's what it got me addicted to it so that's it's really cool man so I guess I mean you've probably I wanted to there's obviously things I wanted to ask you that I hopefully you haven't been asked you know a million times but how did you how did you take like that love for fishing and like knowing that it's what you wanted to do and actually like take the steps necessary to get to where you are now. I mean, I think a lot of people can benefit from like knowing something like that and maybe apply it to their life too. So like, especially with something like fishing that like, obviously there's a certain degree of 
there's a large degree of skill to it in knowing like weather patterns and like what color bait to use and what season. And, and there's so many different factors that go into it. So how did you start to learn all that stuff? And how did you like develop that skill set to get to where you are now? Yeah, I, I had, I was very fortunate that I grew up in, well, North Idaho, right? So most of us that grow up here grow up in a family that loves the outdoors. We're surrounded yeah. by it. We can hike, we can fish, we can hunt, we can do all those things. And really like early on in my youth, I guess, I grew up with a single mother for the most part. And she was kind of the driving factor initially of that love of the outdoors, right? Mm. She loved hunting, she loved fishing, she loved hiking, doing all those things. Sure. And she would take me and my sister all the time. And she was a young mother. Um, and we didn't have a lot, but we did have that. And she always made the most of what we had. Mm. And then I didn't know any different, right? Like that was just normal for me. And mm. I, I knew like, she knew early on that I loved fishing, like more than most things, you know, mm. she tells me stories of all the way back to two years old, hiking into mountain lakes and things like that. And then when I was eight years old, uh, one of her best friends got married to a guy that fished local and regional tournaments. And I didn't even know there was such a thing as bass fishing or that you could target a specific species, let alone there was an entire industry driven by it. And there were boats and all these things specifically built for chasing one you know, species of fish. Yeah. And I remember, um, pulling up to Hayden Lake. My mom got it set up where he was going to take me out fishing. And I remember him pulling up to the boat ramp in his bass boat. And like, it's amazing how certain things are imprinted into our brains without us even trying to remember them. Right. They're just, they're such pivotal moments in our lives. Um, whether that's on purpose or not, it happens, right? Like there's a direction that we're all driven and that moment shaped my entire life. Um, because it was from that day forward that then I became obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. And, and like, as I grew up, I knew more and more and more that that's what I wanted to do, but it was really all stemmed from that one moment. And that's where I started to gain the knowledge, the skills, right? I became so consumed with it that I was reading Bassmaster magazines. And like, even though you and I aren't this that old, like I heard you talking about this on one of your podcasts the other day of how like we're in kind of that uh, group that got caught in the middle uh, or the beginning of a lot of the technological advances that we have now, right? Mm -hmm zoom calls cell phones like things that really run our entire world now we were kind of at the beginning stages of a lot of that yeah and so sure. along with that comes information and so to get that information you had to do it through a lot of experience and just reading or seeing things on television uh youtube wasn't even a thing then like there yeah. was no youtube so if someone's watching this on youtube there was a time where this platform didn't exist. So weird. Dude, <laughs> and I, and I, I talked to, I talk to young people all the time that are at my shows or whatever. And like, yeah. they're like, it's so weird. 
that they grew up in a world where like they just had a phone their entire life. You know what I mean? It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's strange. And I, I think, uh, like one thing that I've always been drawn to is music. And because I feel like there's a lot of similarities, uh, you know, I, I talk about that moment earlier when I feel a bite, it's very similar to when you strum a chord mm-hmm. or you, you know, even if it's just one string that register, right? Like you strum a chord and then it goes to your ears and your brain registers what that is. Yeah. And, and it says, I, and it says, the, I like this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah. And, and then that translates to other people. And then, but then with that, there's a lot of sacrifice that comes with it. And I honestly, I don't know why I was able to do that at a young age. Um, but I was so driven by the sport of fishing that everything else took a backseat. Yeah. Some of that good, some of that not good. Yeah. Like good that it got me here, but I also missed out on a lot. No, no, that, that makes a lot. That makes total sense, man. And, and I, I think that you and I, especially, I mean, we grew up in, you know, we both wrestled all of our lives. A lot of people, for people that don't know, Brandon was a very talented wrestler, you know, two time state champ stud from North Idaho. And, uh, um, you know, you literally won a state championship with a broken arm. I remember that. That was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, so I, and I think that, I think that one thing that that sport did for you that probably did the same thing for me, was just like toughen me up mentally, you know, and not, not to mention like in addition to where we grew up, I mean, the elements are, you know, the winters are long and the summers are short. And so there's a lot of factors I think that develop that sort of mental toughness. And for people that don't grow up with some sort of a competitive sport or like something just to, just to compete in, it's, I think, harder for them to find the discipline later in their life to find that structure because this is what I wanted to get to um, next. But um, when things get difficult, I have a way better mindset now because nothing could ever be as difficult as those like two-a-day wrestling practices or cutting weight or like, or, you know, or, or why I climb mountains like I do because the hardest things that we do outside of like our passions is, is what keeps us persevering in moments when our passions are testing us. Um, and at least that's how I feel. I don't know if I could, if you can speak to that, but I actually, I, you know, I kind of wanted to talk to you about that. I mean, obviously people and myself included, and because I, I would like to know if you're willing to share, you know, what, what about, you know, people see like the glamorous life. Oh, you get, he gets like fish for a living. And like, you know, you're on the road and you're seeing all these places and you're with your wife and your dog and you're in your RV and it's, and, and on paper, it sounds like a probably a beautiful life and not saying that it isn't, but I mean, what are some things that you've dealt with that are difficult and like, what do you struggle with? And the biggest thing is, is missing out on like a lot of the time with your friends and your family. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, sure. Anything that we do, there has to be sacrifice in some shape or form. Um, it can be in a relationship. It can be in a career, personal development, anything. There's, there's always give and take and there's always choice. Right. So every mm-hmm. day that I wake up, I know that I have a choice to be better than I was yesterday. Sure. And then that day is broken down or that hour or that minute is always broken down into a choice, right? We, we, we're making thousands, if not tens of thousands 
kinds of choices every single day. And I think that I, I was so focused on a goal that every single choice I made, whether it was consciously or subconsciously, was always to advance to that next level. Like I knew where I wanted to go. But with that, you miss out on a lot of things, right? Like I didn't always hang out with my friends. Like I was gone a lot during the summers. Like I would Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would be gone to a tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had friends that were in the fishing community, but then I also had my high school friends growing up. Um, And then that's something that never goes away, but I've just learned how to communicate so that people know that you still care, right? Even if you're not there for everything, Mm -hmm. uh, because it's part of the, it's part of the gig. And, you know, I've missed things like my own brother's wedding and, you know, those things are tough. uh, But I would say that's the, the travel's the hardest thing. Um, The business side can be very difficult because each tournament that we fish Cost five thousand dollars for some people that may watch this and not know. So it's we pay a five thousand dollar entry fee. And then you also have travel. And damn, I didn't know that. You know, yeah, nearly every yeah. So nearly every tournament is at least a minimum of thirty hours from my house. So you've got drive time. Uh, so you've got your fuel expenses. You've got lodging, entry fees, and all of that. Only half the field gets paid. So half the field is going to get paid ten grand. First is going to pay a hundred grand, but you're going to lose a lot more and you're going to win. So you have to have the business side, the sponsorships and endorsements and things like that to help offset that stuff. So say you, you know, we have nine events a year, uh-huh. even if you cut a check in every single event, it's 90 grand unless you win one, but just say you cut a check in every event, maybe one guy a year does that out of a hundred. Yeah. Well, you spend 80 so you're telling me you're going to profit 10 grand, like just for simple math, not adding in all the other stuff. You can't make a living doing that. So Damn. you have to have yeah. this. Yeah. You have to have the business side of it. Um, you know, it's like you, you could go play music for free all the time and it'd be great, but you still have bills. You got to pay. You, yes. you know, our, our world is a currency or ran on currency. And so you have to yeah. have that too survive um even though it's not my driving force oh for sure no it makes sense man i mean i i don't i don't think that there's like i don't think that there's like some black and white description of that says that your passion can't pay you too i mean i i especially in the music industry i mean and i dude i appreciate you telling me all that because i again i had no idea about that either i thought it was just like you were on the Bassmaster elite circuit and you could just make money every time but um (laughs) you're like nope no but no i trust me man i get it i mean the first well for one thing i mean probably maybe outside of your industry i've probably picked the hardest industry that there is to make a living from and it's it takes a long time to be able to make a living from it and um obviously after covid when i don't have that option at all you know there's just like what you said you gotta have other options you have other things going not to mention you have to be smart with the money that you do have because you don't know it in a moment's glance when a fucking global pandemic can shut everything down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Did, uh, so yeah, did, did COVID affect your ability to make, I mean, as far as like, did you guys still continue to do the tournaments and everything? I mean, it's a pretty socially distanced activity, I feel like, but. 
Yeah. I mean, we were one of two professional sports that were able to carry out a full season. And I'm truly thankful for that. It's just the nature of our sport that we're able to do that, right? We're outside their individual tournaments. uh, um, And so we were kind of able to pivot and make choices with the league that kind of kept us you know, safe from everything, but we're still mm-hmm. able to complete our season uh, and guys were still able to make a living, uh, you know, and a lot of that, normally our season starts early February, January, and then goes through kind of the summer, early fall. And mm-hmm. last year they just pushed everything into the fall, right? Cause when everything came out in the spring, they pushed it all back. And so, I mean, I was somewhat thankful for it. Uh, mm. It had been 10 years since I had been home in the spring. Which was and probably I awesome. got to fish. It, it was amazing because I I was still able to fish at home. Um, you know, I was still able to do a lot of the things that I enjoy that I hadn't got to do in Idaho the last 10 or 11 years. Yeah. And I was able to come back and do that, enjoy those things. Um spend time with family. Um, yeah. And, and it, it kind of gave me like a reset and a new perspective and, you know, it, it made you dig in and appreciate the relationships that I did have, you know, on the personal side and on the business side of it. Uh, you know, that a lot of those companies were willing to stick with us even when they had a lot of uncertainties on their end. Yeah, and, sure. You know, and then we, we were able to get through it. Um, and so we, we were probably the least affected from a sports organization or, uh, really from any working, you know, type of deal. Like we were very fortunate that we were, we were, we were able to make minimal changes to still be able to compete. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome, man. I mean, and I'm sure that, yeah, I'm sure that, I mean, you obviously seem like you have a lot of gratitude in general. But um, I'm sure that that made you even more grateful. Like while everybody was going through a lot of stuff, you were still able to do what you love. I guess that's a question I have for you too. I mean, outside of, okay, so do you still enjoy fishing when you're not getting paid to do it? Do, would you like still do it if you- 100%. Yeah. Yeah. You still love it that much. That's really cool, man. I mean, it's, I'm st- because, because I'm not driven by the money. Yeah. Uh, it's a bonus. I was driven by the money. Yeah. I would get burnt out. And yeah. that's one thing that I've always learned or learned about myself is that I, whether it's business or personal, whatever, I can't make decisions based on financial gain or money because yeah. every time I do, I don't like this situation. I, I feel like I'm just trying to sell something and that's not who I am. Like it yeah. has to be something I believe in. Uh, and that's, I've learned that. And that's where you see a lot of guys get burnt out, right? Yeah. They don't get burnt out on fishing. Yeah. yeah. It's what they love. You know, they grew up loving to fish. They get burnt out on the other things. And it's usually based on decisions they've made, um, you know, where they're, they're in a situation that they personally don't feel good about right like it may look good on paper but they never started out fishing for the money we all did it because we loved it 
Yeah. Just like music, right? Like you, there was some point that you felt something where you were so driven that you wanted to do that for the rest of your life. And you're willing to make all these sacrifices yeah. to yeah. be able to play. And, yeah. and, and then it's, you know, some people get sucked in by the money and then there's other artists that stay true to who they are. And then the money comes with that. Yes. Uh, that's, 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 that's a hard balancing act. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a beautiful distinction that you made and that's, and it's so true. Um, I think for me, I think initially if I'm, if I'm just being truthful and I appreciate your authenticity, man, because like that, I think that's something that people are, Sorry about that, folks. We had a technical difficulty. It wouldn't be my life if something didn't go ridiculously wrong. Um, before we came off, we were starting to talk about, you know, like, uh, I think we were, what I was getting toward was like more like obsession. Um, and I, I think that that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about, like your, you've mentioned a few times how you like, became obsessed and addicted to the feeling of like the bite, for example, or, you know, obviously the thrill of catching the fish and like the search for it. Maybe speak on obsession a little bit and talk about like how important that it is. Maybe not like what you value as obsession and like what, how, what like it's done for you. And, and do you think that it's a necessary thing in order to become great at something? Oh man, uh, I do. Uh, I do think that you have to have some level of obsession or whatever you want to call it. You know, you could come up with a bunch of different words for it, um, mm. but you need to have a some sort of driving force that allows you to make those choices to lead you to somewhere, right? And yeah. I mean, everybody's going to have a different view on that or you know a different thing they want to chase uh, what i have learned doing this now for 11 years is that being obsessed with it is not enough okay uh, there's i've seen too many guys come in come and go and we all start are obsessed with it but there's a certain level that separates certain competitors that are consistently toward the top or that are, you know, always in the mix. And mm -hmm. what I've learned is that you have to physically and mentally not be able to live without it. And then if that is enough, then you have what it takes to make it to that next level. Sure. Because if you just love something or if you're just obsessed with something, if you continue to get kicked in the teeth, that love will fade. Yeah. And uh, like the fishing game specifically, and I believe this is probably true in music, but I'd love to hear your opinion on this, is that it is a, it is a losing battle. It is a game of losses. Yeah. And you have to be so mentally tough that you can, uh, that you can withstand those those low moments. Um, and if you just love it, you'll learn to not love it because you keep getting kicked in the teeth and punched in the face. And, and then you're saying, why the fuck but, you're, you're saying, then you're saying like, why the fuck do I love this? You know, after a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Sure. And so you, that's, I've kind of came to that conclusion that you have to physically and mentally not be able to live without it. And yeah. then you have a shot 
at yeah. making it. And then you have then a you'll shot. make the right choices. You'll make yeah. the sacrifices. Hundred percent. That's yeah. When I, I think that's kind of that's also kind of what we were getting into, you know, before the the audio cut off here. But yeah. So how I see that. And dude, I mean, admittedly, and I would, I would probably be remiss to say that if the thought didn't cross your mind, you'd probably be a crazy person too. But I think that you have to be a little bit of crazy to like get to the level that you are. And like, I, um, so much of, it's interesting because like so much of my industry isn't necessarily built on like necessarily how, well, obviously it's built on like how good you are, but also a lot of it is built on like being at the right place in the right time. And that's something that I want to get to with you as well. But as far as like the degree of like loving it and obsessing over to the, to take you to the next level, I think that's crucial. I remember when I first started and this is kind of what I was getting into before we lost connection there. But when I first started, I, I think admittedly had like a perception of like, I just wanted to be like, I didn't necessarily want to be famous, but I think you have this like idea in your head of like the, the aiming at the highest good or that could come of it, which is like that, like being a famous like musician traveling the world and doing it. And it's, it's interesting because the moment that things actually started to happen for me was when I stopped caring about that. Um, I think that admittedly because I was younger and I was still like coming into my own as a person that like I was definitely obsessed with it and I loved it, but I think I loved it for the wrong reason. I think I loved it because of like the image that it gave me and I think that I loved it because of the... Uh, the you know the the kind of attention that came from it maybe like I didn't get enough attention from people when I was younger so like I craved that when I was older and I and I've tried to get to the bottom of that and I think for the most part I have but mostly I started to love it because of how it started to make me feel like actually when I would play like a performance when I would play a show and like everything went exactly how it should have and every note sounded good and like and then because of that that feeling, getting that like over and over again, you want to become better at it. And then that's when I became obsessed with just getting better at it. And then once you, I mean, just like you, like how many hundreds of tournaments have you been? And I've played like, you know, thousands of shows and stuff like that. And you come to a point where you walk on stage or I'm sure that, you know, you get out on the water and like, you're just, you have this confidence that you otherwise wouldn't have had because you've been through like the worst times with it. You've been through the best times with it, everything in between. But those, but what I wanted to say specifically to what you just said about like, it's a game of losses. I mean, especially in music, I mean, nine times out of 10, you're going to be extremely disappointed. I mean, that's just the way that it is, but it's that, it's that one time out of 10 that like something is phenomenal and like perfect. And you're in the exact right place at the right time that it makes it all worth it. So I don't know if you can agree with that or not, but yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's like, I'll ask you this. If you, if you play like the same set list and you're like, okay, I'm going to play these songs in this order. Yeah. Not every single show is the same, right? Like there'll be no. one show or maybe there's two shows that just give you that different feeling. That's next mm-hmm. level. And you're like, yeah. And, and the thing with that is when, and that's why I, I say it's an addiction because you're always chasing that high. Yeah. And, and it's a healthy addiction because it then allows you to continue to progress to something better. Like you're bettering yourself because you're always chasing that feeling. Yeah. And 100%. you, and that's, that's what continues to drive you and you you play that show and you're like man why was that one not as good 
Yeah. And, you know, I, I have those same moments where you're like, man, I, I did all of the things right on paper, but how come the outcome wasn't as good? Yeah. And I think a lot of times um, what I've realized is that if you don't become fully immersed in a situation, right? Like if I'm not fully focused on the water or like living in that moment, mm-hmm. um, right? Like I, I've started referring to it more as like competing with my limbic brain yeah more than anything and I feel like that's how you live in those moments uh versus uh just going through the motions yes right and so like if you're playing a show and your mind is somewhere else but you're hitting every chord right you're hitting every note right if you're not in that moment you don't get that same feeling you don't yeah. get that success and it, and the people don't get the most from you either. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And that, what's interesting about, you know, now that we're talking, I'm hearing you, hearing you talk about this more. It, it's interesting because you are kind of tied in simultaneously to like, you're obviously have a deep connection to nature. I would say that that's true. Obviously like you wouldn't have moved back to where you, where you're from. And then you obviously have like a deeper connection to like your passion and your sport. But it's interesting because like what you do specifically, I think can actually be like related to any other thing. It's like, we're all just fishing. If you think about it, I mean, we're all just throwing a line out there, like hoping that we get a bite on something. And I think that what, what a midlife crisis often is and like what depression often is. And, and I don't know if you've struggled with any of those things or, you know, or have had, have had doubts, which I'm sure you have because you're a human being, but like, I think that what those things often are is realizing that like you tried to do you in your head, you tried to do the right things. You put out the right baits. You, you tried to do the best that you could and then nothing happened. And I think that does happen to a lot of people. I think where people get stuck is like they don't shift course and try something new. And I'm sure that just like what you said, like a lot of people, they throw that same bat, that same bait out there and expect to get the same results. But if like the weather changes or if, you know, it starts to rain or whatever it is, like you have to, you have to be able to change course and adapt. And I think for me, I've learned just like probably how you have to, to just when the weather changes, you have to change too. And if you don't, like you're going to get left behind and you're going to become attached to the past and it attached to like a past result because like that one good show or that one great tournament that you had, it's, it's done. It's over with. And I think that change is like change is the only constant. I think that you can, you know, that's like, that's probably the only truth that we can both say that coming from two different worlds, you know? hundred percent. I say it all yeah. the time. And it's like, I, the only constant in fishing is change. Yeah. Every single day is different. There's different conditions. Um, and that's true with life and how this world goes on. And we're in a time now that people are so quick to forget what happened in the past, whether it's good or bad, right? Like mm-hmm. our attention span is so short now yes. that we're just already moving on to the next thing. And, and that I try to do my best to not do that. Um, yeah. I don't know. Have you ever watched like or read any of the Simon Sinek books? I don't even know if I'm saying his last name right. Um, I've um, I've heard of like him. Start with why, or... dude. Okay, that is okay. That is so that was amazing stuff. Okay, that's so weird that you literally just said that. My girlfriend is literally reading that 
start with why book right now. That is so strange that you just said that. Crazy, dude. It's, it's an amazing book. And when she's done that's with it, crazy. You um, that's yeah, no, that's because really it's weird. It's it's it is it gives you such a cool perspective, mm-hmm. and it and I think like you were mentioned like midlife crisis thing, right? Is that a lot of people like what whether it's in their careers or you know it could be a professional athletic career or it could be just you know a business career where someone's mm-hmm. trying to step up the corporate ladder, but they they lose why they started doing it. Right. And I was talking about earlier about guys getting burnt out. They lose like why they fell in love with it in the first place. Yeah. Um, and like reading that book or listening to keynote speeches or um, different th- things like that. Like it put a lot of things into perspective for me of like why I actually love the sport. And it gave me a new like found passion and like another gear that I always knew I had because of wrestling. Like yeah. you always, you hit that wall and you're like, man, I feel like I'm going to puke. And then somehow and like, you, you just go keep pushing it. through it and pushing yep. through it. Yeah. And you're like, and then when you're done, you're like, Oh my, Holy shit. That was amazing. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you push those limits and when you break through them, you find out what you're made of and, and that like elevates you to that next level mentally, yeah. you know, more than physically. A lot of times I think that so uh, I, yeah. I, you have to read that book. Dude. Yeah. I'm going to check it out, man. That's, that's really funny. That I still can't, that speaks exactly to what we were talking about. Just being at the right place at the right time. It makes you feel like you're where you're supposed to be. So it's just really random that you said that. So that's cool, man. And, and, and I agree totally, man. I think that I also think that, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but it seems like you have a little bit of addiction to suffering too. I mean, and, and so do I, as far as like, like pushing yourself, to, like it feels good to suffer and overcome it. You know, like for me, like, I mean, I'm kind of like a psychopath when it comes, like sometimes I'll like, oh, I'm going to do this 10 mile hike. That's like 10,000 feet, but I'm not just going to do that. I'm going to throw on the 50 pound weight vest and do the entire thing in that. And then by the end of it, I'm like, why the fuck did I do that? Because now I have to carry this weight vest with me when I'm exhausted and my feet are like, you know, but you know what I mean? I think it's like, I think that the more that you do that kind of thing though, the more that you like punish your, your psyche and, and push yourself to the limit is when you can keep going. Cause dude, I mean, I bet there's so many people trying to get to like the level, just like in music. I mean, so many people are trying to probably get to the level that you are in fishing and be like, this is what I do, you know, but probably you know, they lose a tournament or they don't do well. And then maybe, maybe they don't do well for five or 10 tournaments and they think, okay, I'm just going to throw in the towel. But that's what that obsession is. And that, that addiction to suffering and that resilience that you build, it's like, just keep pushing past those barriers because if you do, you have a shot, but if you don't, then you quit and then you never know. But I remember I, uh, exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's just really cool, man. And, and, And I'm, I'm really just, and I'm, I'm, I'm really blown away by your, your attitude toward that still after all this time. But I wanted to, uh, um, kind of, kind of getting to the last few questions here. I just wanted to ask you now about, so, you know, how is this, how has, how is it being with your wife, your now wife, you guys have been together for 10 years, you know, how, how has it been doing this like with her 
and is it ha, have you guys had you know your fair share of struggles on the road and like how have you over overcome some of those issues when you've been trying to like balance everything between your professional bass fishing career and and your intimate relationship with your wife it is extremely difficult and extremely rewarding at the same time and no doubt i would not be as successful as i am without her out there Uh, it took me a long time to realize that uh, Mm -hmm. because when i grew up i always felt like i was the one person that i could always rely on was myself sure and i carried that with me and i i still carry it with me now sometimes to a fault where i put too much on my own plate and i'm not willing to delegate or pass things off to other people Mm. and and she's taught me a lot of like being able to trust somebody else to get the job done um and in like what we've done is that we've found the things that work for us right as a team and that's really how we approach it is a team aspect and you know what the way that we operate on the road may not work for everybody um, but it's the little things in the day-to-day life that allow me to then focus more on the fishing side on the business side um, you know i mean the most simple things like cooking dinner or doing laundry when you're on the road for that long you know that's an hour here two hours there and all of those minutes and hours and seconds count yeah and i try to make the most of them and you know we we have our fights and our disagreements like everybody else uh you know i think one thing that i resonated with uh one of your earlier podcasts was talking about how when things were going good in one of your relationships you would always try to push them away yeah you'd always try to end them yeah. And I I was always very similar with that. Um, you know, and we had a point in our relationship where I admittedly tried to do that. And I had to come to the realization with myself that that was the dumbest thing I could possibly do. And, yeah. and it's been amazing ever since. Right. But yeah. it was something that I had to overcome with my own personal issues to be able yeah. to get to that point. hundred percent. And, man. uh, you know, and it, here we are. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, man. And, and, and like you, like you said, man, nobody, no relationship is impervious to those, those things. Um, I think that it's one of the things that stuck out that you said that I liked the most was putting it in the team aspect. And I'm not necessarily the shining example of how to make relationships work, but because I've had a lot of them fail, I think I know how to make them work um, just by doing the opposite of what I've always done. But um, it's, uh, I think that for so for me personally, and, and like you said, you shared the similar thing. It's like, you know, you said you were raised by your mom, you know, and, you know, I was, I was pretty much raised by my dad, you know, while my mom, my mom's great now, but, you know, I was, it was pretty much the same thing. And I think that people that are raised by single parents, they develop a sense of self-reliance and independence. And usually relationships aren't something that 
we believe to be as conducive as something that's better than being alone because we're so used to being alone and we like it, you know? So, um, but I think that I've realized, especially over the last, you know, seven to eight years about how important it is to have somebody in your corner, you know, and no matter how much I fight that and no matter how much I, I, I try to tell myself that I don't like it or shouldn't have it, that, that it's important. And um, I, I just really like how you, how you value it as a team because I think that that's probably something that a lot of people can take away from because I'm, I, I still struggle with that, to be honest. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to like say like, let's do this together instead of like, I'm just going to do it all by myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you just have to have, it all comes down to a lot of communication. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's something that- It's a tough one. <laughs> I'm constantly learning. Right. And that's that, but that's the cool thing is like, we, like as humans, we're very fortunate because we have the ability to learn. Right. Um, yeah. We have the ability to, but then also with that is, you know, well, one thing that separates us is that we also have the ability to look into the future and see that. And then that's what scares you. Yeah. And just because yeah. you're afraid of the possibility of something going good, then you feel like you have to create this chaos that's yes. completely unnecessary. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, dude, that's yes. Just, God damn it. <laughs> you have to learn. So when yeah. you, when you're able to, but that's the cool thing is right. We're able to learn and mm-hmm. we're able to, uh, make those choices and adapt and change and, and continually work on your craft, right. Continue to work on that team aspect. And, mm-hmm. um, and it takes that, right? It's like you need to have that good teammate that it picks you up when you're down and then also celebrates with you. Um, yeah. One thing that I've always like uh, thought was really cool is, you know, like the old saying, uh, if a tree falls in the forest and there's nobody around, does it make a sound? Yeah. And yeah. I've always kind of related that to uh, winning or like if you're at a show or something, right? Like if, if I win and there's nobody there or I don't get to share it with anyone, does it mean just as much, right? Like if I do it alone, does it have the same meaning? And I don't think it does. Um, I love that. And, man. and I think that becomes, it comes from that feeling. Uh, and so I've always believed that, like having people there. And I realized that that's as simple as my wife, Tiffany being there. And it also translates to the fans being there. Yeah. Because that's what, that's like a driving force, right? That's what it amplifies that feeling, right? If we revert all the way back to the, we were talking about that feeling earlier. Those are just amplifiers to that feeling that makes it that much more intense. Yeah. Absolutely. Another thing I wanted to ask you, man, and first of all, I agree with all the other things you said, man. Thank you for sharing that. You're very, uh, and I didn't think that you weren't insightful. Obviously, like I knew you were an intelligent person, but like, it's, it's cool. Like seeing like after talking to you for not talking to you for so many years, like, like all these lessons that you've learned and how like philosophical you seem. So it's cool, man. And thank you for sharing those things. Um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to ask you though, real quick. So do you struggle with people feeling like people want something from you like and i mean i'm sure you've dealt with that yeah often so i mean how do you how do you mitigate that i mean 
Um, there's always going to be people that want something. I put myself in that position, right? That's part of the gig of what I do is that, but with that, that also gives me the gift that I am able to give something, right? I am able to teach something or, um, so for me, it's always been deciphering why somebody wants something, right? Is it for their own personal gain or is it for another reason? And being and you know, learning to decipher those things allows you to determine whether or not something is worth your time. Sure. Um, you know, kind of learning to be able to say no to something because we're all given 24 hours in a day. Yeah. And, and you like, I just, I don't have enough time to do everything in 24 hours. I wish every single day was 48 hours and yeah. <laughs> we had double the amount of time on this earth, but we don't. And, and I've had to learn to be able to, to say no. Um, and it's not, it's not wrong of somebody to want something from you. Um, but there needs to be a, a balance, right? Yeah. There's like a give and take in that. And so, you know, a lot of times I don't have a problem helping out with something as long as it has a good purpose or I feel like it's for the right reasons. Sure. Uh, you know, and you just have, you learn to identify that, right? We're, you can sense that a lot of times without being able to speak to it. There may not oh, be yeah. an exact thing, but you know, we've all met those people and you're like, man, something just doesn't seem right. doesn't yeah. feel right. Seems leechy a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. Man. Yeah. And well, that, and yeah, I hear about that in the music industry, right? Like, have you had to deal with that? Have you had moments of that where you felt like someone was just trying to jump on the bandwagon and like, ride, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're high. I, yeah, I mean, I, I was in a relationship a few, like, you know, like six years ago now when I moved to California where it, you know, it, it was a temporary relationship, but it kind of seemed like it was like that, but it's more so, it's more so just, you feel like you're being lied to all the time by people in the industry that are like, say that they want something that's best for you when it has nothing to do with anything that you've, whether it's like a change in image or like a, a song that they want you to put out or like they just want you to be something completely different than you are. And uh, I mean, admittedly, like you kind of fall for those traps early on. And then like once you develop like like what you said, the ability to say no and set that boundary, it comes a lot easier to recognize when people are trying to do that. Um, but it's still hard. And, and just like what you said, it's not necessarily wrong to to want something from somebody else. But like I think it's, I think it's all about how you approach it you know, and not feeling like entitled to it because I I can imagine like in your world, I mean, you're, you're a celebrity. So it's like, it's probably, it's probably like feels really good to have people showing up and like signing autographs and taking, it probably feels really good for you because it's like, wow, that person's supporting me, you know? But then like, if you take that, if if that keeps Mm -hmm. going, if that keeps going further and that person lacks the self-awareness of being like, okay, maybe I'm being a little too pushy here. Um, I, I, I get, I can imagine that gets, I mean, I've dealt with it a little bit, probably not to the degree that you, which you have, but, um, but yeah, man, thanks for sharing that. Um, okay. So, so two more questions. The last one's more like, just like for you, but I get, and like this one's for you too, but I'm, I'm curious too. I mean, what's like your end goal? I mean, what's, what's like, 
you know, over the next like, you know, 15, 20 years, I mean, do you have like a, a vision of like how you, you want you, your life to go? And is there, is, is there a goal or are you just kind of like living for the moment right now? I don't have, I don't have an, an end goal. Um, and I think partially because I'm never, I'm never just, I'm never content. So I say that like kind of hesitantly because I think you should be content because it keeps you in a happy mindset, right? You should be content in the moment that you're living with, but not content to the point where you say like, I'm just going to coast. Yeah. And that's a good point. I don't have an end goal of like, I'm going to get to here and then I'm done. Yeah. Uh, I set a goal early on that at 50, I would like to be in the position where I can choose to retire or not. Okay. Um, That's one thing that our sport is really unique with is that you can fish until you're 60 or 70, you know, however long you want, as long as you're still competitive and you can continue to requalify. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if I want to do that or not do that because I know that in the next 17, 20, 25 years, like my perspective may change my, you know, kids, different things, you know, your priorities may change and that's okay but I want to set myself up in a position that I'm able to make those decisions when they come about. hundred percent. Just to have, have the option the, to, if you'd like the, to. Yeah. Yeah. And the biggest end goal for me is that when I do walk away from the sport, I want to know that it's in a better place than when I came into it. Mm-hmm. And to know that, that, you know, maybe I wasn't the guy who won the most, um, but to have, you know, to have people recognize that maybe this guy made one of the biggest impacts on the sport in a positive manner. And, you know, that comes in a lot of different forms. And so that's kind of, I guess, what I would consider the end goal, but there's not a, oh, if I accomplish these set things, I'm done. Yeah, uh, because I think the trophies, it's not for the accolades. You can't say, okay, check that box, check that box. When you do it for the feeling or for that emotion, then there there is no end goal. Okay. Because you never yeah. get enough of that. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's that's amazing. Is there a, is there anything else? you'd rather be doing like, I mean, if like, if like you woke up tomorrow and you couldn't, you couldn't fish anymore, like, what do you think you would do? I mean, I could see that you kind of have a passion for video and photography. Is that maybe something, or maybe you can speak to that? Yeah, I do. I love video and photography. I love being able to tell a story that resonates with people. Yeah. Um, I, I would, man, I don't know if, if I couldn't fish, I would probably try to figure out how to do some sort of outdoor activity, right? It could be something Mm -hmm. as simple as like an outdoor guide, like where you're taking people on hikes and stuff. Um, Yeah, absolutely. The thing that's always scared me about guiding is that you can't control your clients. 
so you don't know like if you're gonna oh, like the people you're with or not here's, with. He, yeah and here's a bear let's fucking try to go pet it yeah yeah that would be rough that's awesome uh, I don't, yeah i honestly don't know i mean i I'm not musically talented at all, but I'm so drawn to music and because of the feelings that it creates. Absolutely, you know, man. It's universal language perspective. Like I'd be like, so. Well, I mean, obviously I, obviously I know, obviously I know that I'm your favorite artist. So, um, you know, I just, all I ask that when you're on your naturally, yeah, obviously I know that I'm your favorite. So you just need to just blast my music every time you're on a boat and, um, people are like, Oh my God, who's that? And you're like, Oh, it's Casey Ryan. He's the best. And then I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, no, I, uh, I really, I really appreciate your time, man. Um, thank you, dude. It's really good to fucking see you, dude. And, uh, you know, why don't you just, you know, tell people like, what, what do you got coming up and maybe like, where can people find you? You know, what do you got coming up that people can be on the lookout for? Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, this has been awesome. I'm glad we finally made it work after talking about it for a year. Yeah. Awesome to catch up with you. You know, you know that I'll continue following and pushing your music because I think you've got a, a great story in a way that resonates with people. And it's just, that, getting, it's just getting yeah. enough people to listen to it. Yep. That it gets in the hands of the right people or yeah. the ears of the right people at the right time. Yeah, man. It's well, not a lack of, effort or talent it's just a matter of getting it in front of the right people and so i'm here yeah. to help with that um, i well i appreciate it man i uh like i said this uh, the record deal thing just happened so i'm excited about that and you know uh i uh, i'm looking forward to you know hope dude if you're if you're ever not in arizona man i know that you probably come here a little bit you know feel free to contact me man but do you have any shows do you have any shows in the northwest like idaho spokane i'm playing pig out in the park the rest of the year in Spokane. I'm playing uh, September 2nd. I'll be in Spokane. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Sweet. if you can make it out. But so yeah. Here's the cool thing. Our season's yeah. over for the year. Oh, cool. Cool. That's awesome, man. Well, I mean, like I said, if I make it up there and, you know, we can we can get together, I'd love to see you. But, you know, so where can people find you? Like Instagram, you know, brandonpolinick.com. What's your website and everything? People can check you out. Yeah, so I've got a website, it's bmpfishing.com, um, and then Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Um, YouTube's BMP Fishing. Instagram and Facebook are Brandon Polinick. Um, you know, I spend quite a bit of time on there. If you see me liking and comment, it's actually me. It's not some yeah. other random person. Heck yeah, it's, man. It's actually me communicating. So he, He's the uh, real deal, folks. Yeah. So, um. Thank you so much, man. I, I I think this is was a really insightful conversation, and I'd love to you know do it again eventually if we can make time to do it. And and thank you one more time, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll do it again when I have hopefully a little bit better internet and it doesn't lag uh, so much. It's all good, man. We'll we'll I'll edit it up. And we'll make it look good. All right, that's it, everybody. Thanks, you guys. Bye.